Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hawkeiser Ilkovich. Welcome to part two of a very special two-part episode we recorded at the New York Wiki Student Communications Career Conference. This episode features more of the conversations I had with just some of the amazing women who were sitting on panels and facilitating workshops at the conference. Enjoy this episode and make sure to check out the last episode of the podcast for the rest of the interviews from the conference. And we'd love if you'd subscribe to Coffee Break with New York Wiki so you can get a heads up when future episodes come out. We're here with Kelly Jacob, Senior Manager of International Retail Marketing for Estee Lauder. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Just to get started, Kelly, tell us what this role that you're doing is, what your job is. Yeah. So it's a really exciting time at the Estee Lauder companies where we've been acquiring a lot of really cool brands. It's like Leila Beau, Becca, Too Faced, and we've housed them all under something called Estee Lauder Ventures. We really allow these brands to be themselves and we help them grow. So a big part of my role is leading the global expansion of many of these really cool brands. So right now I'm working on Becca Cosmetics and leading their global retail expansion. Cool. Wow, that sounds great. We always talk about coffee on our podcast. It's called Coffee Break. What is your coffee drink of choice? Okay. I don't drink coffee because (laughs) I'm usually a really kind of wired person naturally, but my favorite kind of, when I do need a treat, my little 3 p.m. pick-me-up is a uh, matcha latte with almond milk. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. Tea. We we get a lot of people on this show who don't drink coffee. It maybe is like the thread (laughs) among successful women. You never know. I I drink a lot of coffee, so hopefully that's not the, the secret, but tell us about your career so far. You Where did you start, and what were the steps you took throughout your entire career to get you where you are today? Okay, so I would think like the biggest step for me actually started when I was in college. Um, I, was, I went to Hunter College here in New York City, and I was very involved. I would be by this vice chair of the Hunter College Senate, where I got to work with administration and staff on really helping to imagine a new Hunter. So we helped to renovate the library, got teacher evaluations online. And I say that's the start of it because that's where I really saw when you can have an idea and work with the team to actually build something and bring it to fruition. Um, I was a media major, English minor, and coincidentally, Evelyn Lauder went to Hunter College. So while S.A. Lauder typically recruits from schools like Yale and Georgetown, every year they accept a Hunter student to participate in an internship program. Wow. So I was selected because I was a very kind of vocal student and they're like, you'd be great at this company. I'm like, okay. Um, and I interned my junior year in the global communications department and I fell in love. I, it was my first kind of foray and exposure to the cosmetics industry and to see, you know, these, everything, every lipstick that I purchased or color that I loved to understand there was so much insight, thought, technology that went into making it and so much strategy to make sure that I would love it and I would connect with it and find my perfect shade. I just thought that was incredible. And I'm like, one, I need to know all of these things and I have to do this for this company. I was, that was it. It was love at first sight. Um, I was fortunate that after I graduated, um, I was hired in, I was hired into the company. I worked at Matt Cosmetics, which is one of the brands owned by Estee Lauder, uh, where I did global product development. Hands down, best job ever out of school. Um, My job was basically 
once I learned how to do product development, I had an amazing boss, Nick Gavrellis, still love him to this day, um, who taught me everything in the lab, how to make colors. And when I actually got very good at it, I was able to start traveling internationally, where I would go into different markets like Amsterdam or Paris, um, Asia, and really start to speak to artists and go in people's homes and understand what they really wanted and what they were looking for um, and bring those insights back and develop products with chemists to actually deliver it. So it was great to kind of hear women, men, everyone's needs for beauty and then be able to give it to them in, a, in the most beautiful and um, most in innovative way. Uh, so from there, I loved product development. And I also realized, though, there was a whole other side to the business. So while that was the creative side, and I think the most important side is the product itself, I realized it's also an organization, and there are so many other elements to it. And I wanted to get exposure to that. So I was very fortunate at um, Estee Lauder. There's a master's program at FIT. It's called Cosmetics, Fragrance, Global Marketing, and Management, where each of the major beauty companies nominates a person. And it's a really kind of cool scenario. It's like the only situation where the gloves come off from competitors, and it's the idea is to really train the future leaders of the industry. So you learn uh, about emerging markets in China with Procter & Gamble. You learn about prestige retail marketing in Paris with Dior. It was, it was really incredible. And um, so I was fortunate after two years with the company to be nominated to participate in this master's program. And while I was doing that, I also uh, was promoted into a senior, uh, um, into a corporate role. So I went into corporate innovation where I, it was, it was awesome. Because, you know, when you have a, a company and you're working on a brand, each brand is its own family and has its own vibe and has its own kind of personality to it. So moving into a corporate role gave me an opportunity to see and learn and understand all the different brands within the Estee Lauder portfolio, um, while at the same time doing something I was really good at and I really enjoyed, which is innovation and developing really great products that sets our company apart. Um, so I was fortunate to do that for two years. And so here I am getting a broader understanding of the business in grad school, and I'm getting a broader understanding of our organization and our company. So when I graduated, it was this great combination to kind of build on a, a true passion and a, a general kind of skill set that I was really honing into, and then being able to leverage all of these new learnings to really catapult me into the next phase of my career, which was uh, working on the North America strategy and innovation team. This was really great because I actually got to work with the brand presidents for each brand across every brand in our portfolio. Um, I had an opportunity to work across every function, so dealing with issues like, you know, people are buying our their favorite MAC lipstick online mm -hmm. and trying to return it in store. How do you manage that? And so I really got to understand what was happening in our business. Um, from that, it was a very interesting time. And I remember my thesis in, call, in grad school was, welcome to tomorrow, how millennials are going to revolutionize the beauty industry. And I... <laughs> Okay, it was really funny, actually. I took it upon myself to start presenting this presentation <laughs> um, throughout the organization. Good, I like your initiative. Like, I would literally, like, book a conference room and send meeting invites to, like, our presidents. And, and people just came because I don't think anyone would think that I had just – no one told me to do this. Um and they came. And That's great advice like, in itself. Just like I'm make like, it happen. I think everyone needs to know this. Like I feel very passionate that this is something that are, is our business. And now, and also I think, you know, I, I felt very comfortable in that because I knew what was going on in our mm -hmm. business. I knew what some of the challenges were for some of our brands. And I felt very strongly that this was a solution. And so, you know, in the effort of sharing and moving our business forward, 
that was really kind of like, I have to do this. Um, so I did. Uh, that led to, I think sometimes, you know, they're eventually they're like, Kelly, you don't really understand everything you're saying. I was <laughs> going to South by and coming back with these tech companies. And I'm like, you got a tweet. They're like, why? We're selling lipstick. I'm like, it's so important. Um, and they're like, you know what? You, you, you seem very excited about this. <laughs> you're passionate. Um, you know, so. and, 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 and like all the other millennials in the company kind of get it. And so like, you know, why don't you just leave millennial innovation? And that's how I became lead of millennial innovation. Great. You created your own job. Basically. Um, and in true millennial form, I'm like, okay, that's so not a millennial way to handle this of just like make one person lead this. I'm like, no, it needs to be a group. So in true millennial form, I created a, a community within that. So I started something, myself and two other colleagues started something called Gen Next, uh, which is millenn- um, Estee Lauder's millennial employee resource group. So we had um, we have over 2,000 Estee Lauder millennials, wow. uh, which we aligned to key business initiatives. So you know, working with our chief technology officer and how can we use technology to work more efficiently. Um, we have a team that works to support that, working with our head of R&D and coming up with new formulas, working with brands to be a litmus test for what's really relevant and making sure our campaigns are resonating. So, and it's great for our millennials, you know, when you have a very big company, oftentimes it's, and it's very hierarchical, oftentimes it's hard to get a seat at the table. So this was great for people that were, you know, fresh out of school and who may have never gotten a chance to speak to a president or speak to a senior leader to actually have their voice heard and have have their voice put in a context where they can actually be successful and see it through. Uh, Estee Lauder, we've always been great at acquiring brands. Uh, we start, you know, realizing we need to start really reimagining some of our own existing brands. Um, so I got tapped for a project um, working on a brand that we built in partnership with Sephora called the Estee Edit, which was really focused on targeting millennials. And that was really amazing because you think about a really big company, you don't have many opportunities to be entrepreneurial in a well-established corporation. So that was a very unique opportunity and for me being one of the the, the, the youngest, the chemo, token millennial um, on that project. It was it was amazing. I got to learn a lot of what it takes to build a brand from idea to seeing it in store, to launching it, to photo shoots, to writing copy, like developing emails. Like I touched, it was great to just have the visibility and be able to touch every part of the business in a way that I don't think most people have that ability to in a big corporation. It's fun to have the part that's passion. I love products. I love beauty. I love marketing. I love getting into the minds of a consumer, but it's also a business. Mm -hmm. And you, for us, if you ever want to be a brand president you are run a company, you have to learn how to manage a PL. And so having that experience in marketing of really kind of getting into the nitty gritty and the numbers and being the girl with the calculator at the table, which was a different role for me, was very exciting. Amazing. What an incredible <laughs> path. What's so unique about your career path is that you've been at one company, yeah. which I'm sure you find is not that common these days. I've been at Estee Lauder for nine years. It was wow. nine years in August. Wow. And are there a lot of people within that company that are there for a long time? Yes. Yes. Actually, there are quite a bit. I think, well, I mean, even if you hear like my story, there were so many different roles, right. so many different brands. Every team has a different personality, so many different countries. So it doesn't really feel... Like one job. Like one job. Right. And, you know, I think, I mean, there was a lot of movement. I don't think I've stayed in one place longer than two years within that. And I feel like, you know, when they talk about millennials always wanting to kind of move jobs and you don't stay in one place, I think because you always want to challenge yourself. You're always kind of looking for that next challenge and next opportunity to grow. It's kind of, you know, like 
like a snake. You get you shed your skin. You're ready right. kind of for your next challenge. And it's very it's very rare that you find opportunities to continue to grow and change and evolve. Yeah, and it's a great thing to think about for people who are like might not be happy in their jobs to really look within the organization because you have had many careers totally. essentially within one. What advice do you wish you could have given yourself when you're younger? I I wish I, I would tell myself, Kelly, you don't have to you don't have to kind of create what you think is going to happen. Hmm. It will automatically happen. And I say that because sometimes I go in a room like, okay, I'm a leader. I'm going to have to lead this company and I just will have to be CEO. And so I kind of went in there like, hi, everyone. I am the future leader of this company. <laughs> and like, I have tons of opinions and please listen to me. And I, just, I will be your boss. <laughs> and like, just now let it be. And I felt like I had to almost like force this scenario to happen. I wish I could have I would tell myself, Kelly, what will be will be. You will have mm-hmm. this career. You will. There's no way you would ever be able to fathom how you will get there. But the ride is the best part, right? Mm-hmm. And the more you try to control it, the more resistance you get. It's kind of like when you ride a bike and you pedal a little too hard and the wheels spin out of control. I feel like when I first came in there, I was so like, okay, it just has to be this. And I have to be like the best one. And I put so much pressure on myself, teams, and circumstances to kind of be what I thought it should be that I didn't just kind of sit and listen and and let the China journey go. The Mm -hmm. moment that I did that, that's when things change. That's when all these other opportunities emerge and solutions or problems I can see before and I can really kind of make really poignant sounds and and big impactful decisions within the company. But I had to kind of step back and have that moment of humility to just kind of sit and listen and kind of take it all in. Mm -hmm. It's hard, like, to feel so out of control when you're start, especially when you're starting yeah. your career and you can't visualize what it's going to yeah. be. Like, there's so many blind spots when you come in, you know, like you have your idea of how things are going. And I think a great leader and great business ideas and great companies are when you have a very honest perception of what's really happening and you have the kind of a full view, an honest view of like what the real situation is. And you combine that with what your unique perspective to it. I think too many times people just have like, well, I see it. I just, I know how, how it should be. Or I know, you know, I have, I have my perspective and then that's it. Your perspective without the real honest context, you're not kind of on steady ground. Mm -hmm. So I think taking that moment to get a really honest perspective, like I feel like I spent my first, I spent a good four years of my career understanding our business from a brand side, from an operation side when I was on North America strategy, um, and then understanding the industry while I was in grad school, understanding business in general. And it was from that strong foundation of having a really honest context of our business, how we're situated, what our industries, what's going on in our industry, and then my unique perspective that that was able to really kind of bring everything together for the the real exciting stuff of my career. Where can listeners find you, follow you? Yeah. Where are you sharing your wisdom on social media? I feel like I'm most active on Instagram. K-E-L-L-E-J-A-C-O-B. Um, yeah, Instagram, I'm probably most active and responsive there. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wonderful advice. Thank you for having me. I'm here with Stephanie Agresti, who's a corporate communications publicist at Scholastic. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Love to hear a little bit about your current role and what that job is, kind of what you're doing every day. Absolutely. So like you said, I am a corporate communications publicist for Scholastic, and I work on promoting corporate initiatives around literacy and reading. 
Great, great. And so what are some of those initiatives that you might be working on? So it could be a a whole range of things, promoting reading over the summer, Mm. promoting teaching civics in the classroom, a whole different range of things. It's a lot of fun. Great. Before we get into the interview, I want to ask you about your coffee drink of choice. What is your favorite coffee drink? Sure. I love a simple coffee with cream, no sugar. Okay. <laughs> Pretty easy. Yeah, very simple. Do you like to make your coffee at home? Do you like to do you drink it at the office? I make it at home and okay. take it to the office with me. Oh wow. Yes. Whoa. It's with me. <laughs> That's coffee is like going on the subway and Yeah, <laughs> yep. Tell us about your journey. What are the steps that you've taken? from, you know, college and internships to get where you are now? I was a communication studies major in college, and I decided to pursue that because I really love writing and speaking and working with people. So I wanted to do something that kind of incorporated all of those things. And once I was in school, I started to make friends in my classes and decided to join some clubs that were related to the field of communications. And I was a writer and editor for my school's chapter of her campus. And while I was there, some of the women that I had met at school told me about this student career conference. And I decided to go with them, and it was an amazing experience. I absolutely loved it, thought it was so inspiring. And while I was there, I heard about the scholarship program that New York Women in Communications has. And I decided to apply my junior year, and I ended up winning the Judy Corman Memorial Scholarship, which also came with an internship at Scholastic. So the summer before going into my senior year of college, I interned at Scholastic, and I absolutely loved it. I was in the corporate communications department, and I learned so much. I felt like a valuable member of the team, even as an intern. Um, Everyone was so great, and I think they were excited about how excited I was to be there. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, Then I finished up my senior year of college, and I went to a few different PR agencies. And most recently, I've had the opportunity to go back to Scholastic and work in the corporate communications department where I had interned. You are a New York Women in Communications success story. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. What is one thing you've learned from your experiences and now that you're working um, in the corporate world that you think that someone should always do in a job interview? I think it's really important to always be genuine. I think people can tell when you're being honest and when you're truly passionate about what you're talking about. And I think being genuine is really above all the most important thing. And how about never do? What's something you should never do in an interview? Probably more importantly. (laughs) I think you should never be negative. I think everything you talk about from yourself to your experiences, you should put that all in a positive light. That's really, I think that's really important. Like you, you're given off a vibe and I think that people really can feel it if you bring this negativity into, Absolutely. into the interview and that you might bring that into the job as well. Absolutely. What kind of advice do you have now that you've been working for a while about approaching your boss, your manager to tell them that you're ready to take the next step. So whether it's like you want a promotion in the company or you want to move on, maybe what are some, you know, tips or what's the advice you would give for someone who's kind of looking to do that? I think it's important to be honest and always communicate your goals. I've been really lucky to have managers who ask me what I want to pursue, what my ultimate goals are. But if that doesn't happen, I think you have to make that opportunity happen for yourself. If there's different projects going on in your department that you want to be working on, definitely express that and share your interest so that people know and they can help you get there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
we are doing this interview with the New York Women in Communication Student Career Conference. This is where it all started for you. Um, you have, you know, really had a, it sounds like a great experience in your women in communication and, and you're here today talking to young women about their own careers and sharing information about your own. When you look back at your college experience and kind of, you know, where you were when you first came to this conference, what advice do you want to give that young woman, like who was just starting her career journey? I wish I could tell my college age self that I don't have to have it all figured out by the time I graduate. I put a lot of pressure on myself Mm -hmm. to try to secure a job before I graduated. And what I ended up finding was that most companies don't end up hiring you until after you have your degree. So I wish I had spent more time enjoying the moment and living in the moment. Senior year is such an exciting time. And I think it's important to embrace that. And you can always start looking for your role right after you graduate. Mm -hmm. So when you... When you were graduating, kind of what were those last months like as you were looking for work? Like, when did you actually start working? How stressed were you? How crazy was it, you know, from like March on of your senior year? In March, I started looking Mm -hmm. for jobs more heavily, did a lot of research, did go on some interviews, and then I kind of eased back when I when I started realizing it was a little bit too soon mm-hmm. to be looking. And then after I graduated, I looked for jobs for five weeks and then I landed my first role. So wow. I didn't have to wait too long, luckily. That's um, great. But they yeah. wanted you to start immediately, right? Yes. Like that's something we were talking about um, in an interview today, actually, of like, you really can't necessarily in the communications world be looking for a job before you're ready to start it. It's true. Yeah. I agree. But that went very fast for you. Yes. <laughs> that's <yes>. great. <laughs> What's some of the best career advice you've ever received? The best career advice I've ever received is to just get to know people. Mm -hmm. Get to know people across all levels. Um, If you're in school, people older than you, younger than you. While you're interning, everyone in the department, in other departments that you're interested in. I think it's really important to build your network. And when I was in college, I remember being a little bit intimidated by the word networking Mm -hmm. at first. But I think it's really just genuinely building relationships with people, getting to know people and keeping in touch with them. Mm-hmm. It's great because you're talking about networking, but like, do you think the word networking does have a negative connotation? Do you think that people look at it as something like too serious? Yeah. I think people look at it as something that's essential, which mm-hmm. I agree it is to, to have a network and to have people you can go to is important because you never know where those people will end up going and where you can go because of knowing them. But, um, I think, I think it's, I like to think of it as building relationships. Right. Maybe it just needs a different name. Yeah. <laughs> making friends. Right, right, right. <laughs> it seems a little Professional friendlier. friends. Professional making some friends. professional friends. Exactly. Is there a particular office moment that was really memorable for you so far at any of the roles you've had at your internship, something that really has stuck with you? Um, because I do public relations, a lot of my focus is getting press placements and media opportunities. And I remember the first time I got a press placement in a local newspaper for a client that I was working on at the time. It was an amazing experience to see the newspaper come into the office and be able to hold it in my hands and read the article. One of my favorite things about public relations is sharing people's stories and helping them tell their stories. And so when I was able to to read that story and see it come to life was truly amazing. And firm for me how much I really love this field. And what advice do you have for young women who want to work in PR, who are looking to work in in this industry? I would say, like I had said earlier, be genuine. Be your genuine self and, and push forward. Keep going. Keep looking for opportunities. Meet as many people as you can.
What's something that no one ever asks you that you want to share? Like something about yourself that if you're doing interviews or talking to people, no one ever asks you and you want to communicate to our audience or just in general? I think people don't always ask what my interests are outside of public relations. Mm -hmm. I think so many of us who are in communications are really passionate about our work and our jobs, but it's fun to also share some things that we enjoy in our personal lives. I am really passionate about art history. I was an art history minor in college. And so when I'm on a job interview, I like to try to work that into the conversation because I think it reveals a little bit about my personality. And I think that's great to do if you have the opportunity. Try to share more about yourself beyond what you're excited about in the new role. Before we wrap up, I'd love to talk a little bit about your experience as a New York Women in Communications Scholarship winner because it's such a big part of our organization, You know, helping young women. So what was it like to apply for the scholarship, to receive it, and, you know, go to the Matrix Award? What were some of the highlights of that journey? Yeah. Um, For me, a lot of my peers at college had been former recipients, so they really encouraged me to apply. And then once I did, and I saw this amazing network of people, not only in my scholarship class, but in the entire organization, I truly see the value in it, and I love to share that value with others. So I encourage my peers in school to also apply for it, and whenever I meet someone along the way, I let them know about New York Women in Communications because it's been such a powerful Mm -hmm. thing for me and it's really left an impact on my career that I'm very grateful for. Uh, The Matrix Award was so fun. Just to be in a room with all of these amazing Mm -hmm. and inspiring people was really fantastic and it's it's life-changing. I truly believe that. Yeah, and it led you to your career where you are today. It's It's incredible. It's true. That's great. Anything else you want to share with the audience? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at SDAgresti. Great. Thank you so much for your time and your advice. Thank you for having me. We're here with Jenna Wolfson, who's a social media and content producer at SiriusXM. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. What is your role? Tell us a little bit about your role at Sirius. Sure. So I work on our digital content team, which is a newer division at Sirius XM, trying to find ways to make our audio content more visual. So I work with our five unique political channels to try and up our social presence and incorporate video and different kind of visual elements to our product and work a lot with our Facebook pages and our uh, Twitter pages pretty much exclusively. That's cool. Are you creating the content? I am, yeah. I am shooting a lot of video, um, editing pieces together, and also doing fun ways. We've been using this thing called audiograms, which is a really interesting tool to try and really showcase our content and share what we're doing. That's great. Before we get into the bulk of our interview, I have to ask our key question. What's your coffee drink of choice? So I am an iced coffee girl. Uh, All year round? All year round. I was just drinking one right now and people (laughs) stare at me. Um, I used to do black with one sweet and low, but I'm trying to cut back on my sugar intake. So now it's an iced coffee with a splash of almond milk pretty much two or three times a day. I'm a little addiction. (laughs) Tell us what steps you've taken in your career to get where you are today, even starting with, you know, college and internships and kind of the different steps you took 
to get to this job at SiriusXM? Sure. So um, I can't stress the importance of internships and the impact that they've had on my career. Um, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, um, and I started in the fall of 2007. And I'm a bit of a political nerd, um, so it was a like perfect time because it was ramping up to an election year, so all the political candidates came through, and it was really exciting. And I thought for a really long time, I was very much one of those people inspired by West Wing as a kid, that I wanted to be C.J. Craig. And so press secretary and that whole idea was kind of my goal at that point in time. So I ended up interning um, at the Senate, United States Senate, over the summer for my state senator, uh, Senator Menendez, in his press office. And it was a fantastic internship, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I went back to school, and I interned for the state, um, not state senator, the senator from the state of Wisconsin, Senator Russ Feingold, in the same capacity. And at that point in time, I started getting drawn to the other side, the reporting and the aspect of who I was talking to in the press office. And as a double major in journalism, political science, I then went the direction of news um, and started interning at NBC. And I worked at NBC uh, starting in the summer of 2009 as an intern and then interned at the local NBC affiliate in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and then I ended up uh, applying to the NBC page program and getting in and was a page for a year, which was one of the most um, influential decisions I made in my career, in my life. And I can't stress that enough. So for people, the listeners who don't know, um, the NBC page program has been around for over 80 years. It is an entry-level postgraduate program that NBC Universal offers where you are kind of the face of the company. You give tours uh, to tourists and you help with audience coordination for things like Saturday Night Live. And uh, it was late night with Jimmy Fallon when I was there, if I'm dating myself, um, and different things like that. But you also get these things called assignments. And essentially, you get to experience different aspects and facets of the company. And I worked with the NBC specials team covering uh, the 2012 election and um, all other random things. They're a really small, intimate team who helps organize NBC's coverage of the royal wedding or things like that, or um, Supreme Court decisions came down that year. The healthcare Supreme Court decision came down. So we were the ones who were running to the control room and getting any time that NBC news special report comes on, that was us. And it was such an exciting time for me. Um, and then I ended up working at MSNBC for three years after that. Um, so it was an extraordinary experience and one that really has impacted my life. So I can't stress the importance of internships to figure out what you want to do, but also what you don't want to do. That's really important. Like I, had I not had that internship at the Senate, I would have probably gone along that path mm -hmm. and ended up working in DC and moving down there and doing that. But that internship experience taught me so much, and it taught me that I wanted to cover what they were doing, not be involved in what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to talk about the PAGE program, because we've never had anyone who did the NBC PAGE program on this podcast. <laughs> That's and surprising. There's so many of us. I'm kind of obsessed with it, because it's such a yeah. unique experience, and so, you know, super competitive, but really fun, right? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's almost like... Um, return to your sorority in the best way possible, that you have this like family and this instant camaraderie with people. One of the hosts I work with at SiriusXM was a page about 10 years before I was. And so immediately we start talking and we have that instant mm -hmm. connection that's so special. And it's kind of something that you always find people, because the program's been around for 80 years. Um, one of our more famous pages was Regis Philbin, so we're always like pretty excited about that. And also Aubrey Plaza, too. Um, so everyone gets very 
very excited when you like, you know, see people succeed. And it's just, it's a, it's an outstanding program. And if it's something people are interested in, I highly encourage you to consider applying um, because it really will change your life and have a really positive impact on your career. What advice do you wish you could give yourself when you were in college? Oh my gosh. I wish I paid more attention in my video class. <laughs> I, I was like, I am going to be a producer. I don't need that. We have videographers who do things. This is where my career is. And I totally like just cruised through that class. Like it was a, it was a required class and I, I did not pay as much attention as I should. And now it's what I do every single day for my job. And so I wish I had paid attention more in that. I think sometimes my, my advice would be more consolidated is that you never know when certain classes are going to be applicable to your career and your life. How did you end up at SiriusXM? So um, after, so I worked at NBC for three years on a show called The Ed Show. And um, when our show uh, came to its end, it was time for me to make my next move. Um, so I actually ended up working at Yahoo for a year for Katie Couric. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. A lot of MSNBC people had actually made the move over there. And it taught me so much about social media. And we were in beta for Facebook Live with her. And it was just really kind of starting to make that transition from working in a newsroom to working more in the social realm. And my background in video um, that I had learned at NBC really became extraordinarily valuable. So I was there for a year and kind of really was looking to do more with covering the election. Um, and so I saw on LinkedIn, actually, this job opportunity at Sirius that was looking to start and create this new role for someone who was going to be working on a digital presence for our political channels. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you read something and you're like, was this written for me? <laughs> um, and I had that moment and pretty quickly wrote a cover letter, like the fastest I think I've ever written one because it was so organic and honest. Um, and then went and interviewed and was hired a few weeks later. But you didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone. No, it was actually similarly to Yahoo, actually. I found the job on LinkedIn as well. It just, ironically, when I went in for my interview, I was like, hi, I know you. I know you. I know right. you. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is such a valuable tool. And I, I often, when I'm talking to people about like, they're like, where did you get this job? How does this work out? LinkedIn is really valuable. And it's really, it's when things are posted on there, it's genuine. Would you advise people to just keep their LinkedIn like constantly updated, like treat it kind of as a living, breathing resume. So I actually just recently was like, oh, hey, I don't think I have any descriptions of what I do in Series XM on here. So I recently updated and then I saw my boss was looking. I was like, no, right. no, no, I swear. I'm not. <laughs> That's the problem. I was like, like LinkedIn, it'll anything. email like everyone you've ever met totally. and say, oh, you know, Jenna was updating her LinkedIn. Sure, exactly. So I don't recommend updating it often, but I think if you're, especially in media and like you have a really exciting article you're super proud of, yeah. of course course include that it's also nice for your friends to see and other people to see they do really sweet things about like work anniversaries and little moments um mm -hmm. that are nice to just celebrate and kind of have out there that's great you had a lot of internal moves you were at one company kind of moving around do you have any advice on how to approach your boss to tell them you're ready to take the next step ask them about the next steps about promotions you know what you should be doing when you're kind of trying to move up within a company sure so I have actually a great story for this. Um, so I was, when I was a PA um, at NBC in that capacity, uh, you're in charge of all the graphics. Like the graphic elements are your your baby. Um, and so the next step to be an AP is video. And I had approached my boss um, about wanting to be promoted to the AP role because someone was leaving. 
And he's like, look, you know, I think you're great for this, but we need someone who knows video like today. And I'm really sorry, but like, we can't take the time to teach you. So I took that and I said, all right, then I'm going to make sure the next time this job comes up that I'm going to know video. So I started coming in on the weekends and on my own dime and learning from people and taking the initiative to make sure that I understood what was going on. So then the next time when the AP job came around, my boss came to me and, um, you know, said, do you think you're ready for this? And I said, yes, I know how to edit and know how to shoot. I understand how all the systems work and you can put me in this role and I don't need to be trained. And um, that's how I got the promotion eventually. So I think taking initiative and knowing what the next step entails, um, obviously don't ever let your own job slip. Mm -hmm. Like I think the biggest mistake you can make is being too excited about the next job and the next role that you feel like you're almost too good for what you're doing now. You need to prove that you're perfect in what you're doing now and then you're able to take on the next steps. So I think for me with that, I started coming in on the weekends for it. So my graphic job would never suffer. Um, and then I could still learn what I needed to for the next role. That's great advice. I mean, it takes a lot of time, right? But totally. it was worth it. Definitely worth it. And it's one of those things where, you know, you're investing in yourself. And so what's more important than that, you know, on a weekend? Yeah. Like you want to be, especially if you're in your early twenties, you want to be out with your friends and doing things that are cool and interesting. But it doesn't have to be every day of the weekend. It doesn't have to be the entire day. Just go in for a few hours or, you know, do that extra research. I also tell a lot of people, um, especially if you're interested in, like, video editing or Photoshop or anything like that, YouTube has a lot of really helpful, informative videos. I remember when I was first starting at Yahoo, um, my boss looks at me and is like, can you make a GIF of this? And I was like, I have no idea how to make a gift. Um, and so you're like, yeah. So. <laughs> so I said, yes, of course. Um, so I immediately go on YouTube and there was a really informative video showing me how to make a gift step by step on Photoshop. And so then I went into Photoshop, I played around, it took me about 10 minutes and I figured it out and I was like, here, here's the gift. And you do that and you move on. I think that there's something to admit to yourself when you don't know something, but I think it's really important to take the initiative to try and learn it on your own. Um, I always think it's great to ask for help, but also kind of see if you can go through the steps first and say, mm -hmm. hey, how can I do this um, and figure out the solutions to that. That's great advice. Yeah. It'll also prove you're a problem solver. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that you don't want to, you know, show your hand or admit you don't know something because I think that's the strongest thing you can ever do is admit you have no idea about something, but I think that there are certain little things like how to make a GIF um, that you can figure out online. You really want to have an arsenal ready. You want to have all the tools you possibly can for yourself because if you're ready to take the next step, you're ready to do it because you've personally prepared. Jenna, thank you for sharing your story with thank us. You this so is much, Joy. amazing. Such great advice. Where can people find you, follow you? Sure. So I spell my name very weird. So all of my Twitter and social media handles are at G Wolfson, W O L F S O N. So you don't have to spell my first name. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's weird. It's just different. It's, it's unique. That's for sure. It's G-E-N-A, um, right? It's G-E-N-A, yeah, but it's Jenna. Um, so at G Wolfson. Great. On all social platforms. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser-Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that worked on this episode. 
Chelsea Orkut, Chrisanne Grise, Kylie Harris, Andrea Goldstein, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. For more information about Coffee Break with New York Wiki, go to newyorkwiki.org podcast. That's nywici.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.